There's a story in the Gospel of Luke that I think is underrated for the life of Jesus and want to draw our attention to it today. It takes place in verse 11 through 16, Luke chapter 7. Let's read these words. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. It's an incredible story where Jesus raises someone from the dead. Raises someone from the dead. Uh, They had been walking uh, this boy, it says he's a young man, out in basically his coffin. There's a crowd that's gathered. The funeral's happening. Uh, and Jesus comes, and he raises him from the dead. There's a lot to be said of this passage. Uh, there's what Jesus does. There's the miracle, the miracle that takes place. There's the response from the crowds of people that it, this reveals something about Jesus, and they say he must be a prophet. It reminds them of the story of Elijah in the Old Testament and First Kings. Uh, but what, what's amazing about this story is, is you read through it. What, really, it seems that the, the emphasis, everything pivots around this connection between Jesus and the mother. And, and it tells us that the mother is, is a widow. And, and there's one little phrase in this whole story that's right in the middle of it that, that seems to just draw our attention in. Not that the, 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 the miracle isn't, you know, raising, raising someone from the dead. I mean, that, that's incredible. But, but there's something else here that the author is, is having us focus in on where, where Jesus looks at the widow and it says that his heart goes out to her. We, we know that if this woman uh, ha, is a widow, she's lost uh, her spouse at some point, lost her, her husband. Uh, the, just to think of the grief of losing your loved one and, and what that life would have been like for her. Uh, but, but, but also in this time period, the, the, the husband is, is the one who provides. And so she, she loses uh, you know, the provision and, and protection. And then we find out that she's also raising a child. So this is a, a single mom. Uh, she's uh, raising this child on her own. And as this child grows, and we, it says that he's a, a young man, he, he's probably the one that is looking out for her and providing. And so it's not just the, the idea of, of grief, of loss. She's experienced death of her loved ones. Uh, but, but this is also, she, I, I, uh, someone has said she's now been regulated to dire vulnerability, this woman. An unbelievably vulnerable moment for her and it says Jesus looks at her, and his heart goes out to her. This story is disclosing something about the nature and character of Jesus and his mission in this world, and what God is doing as he's redeeming and doing this work through Jesus. Jesus looks and it says, one translation says he has compassion when his heart goes out, it, he literally has this ache inside of him from 
from his gut, from his bowels, uh, is the literal translation. Uh, One says that he has heartache, but he felt what she felt in the state of her pain and vulnerability and suffering and confusion. It says his heart goes out to her. Last week, we started a series uh, with just my hope and prayer for 2021 and for this church as it emerges together, and uh, stated last week that, that really my hope is that we would become a culture of goodness. Um, we looked at the, the Hebrew word tov, which means good, and, and that's used over 700 times throughout Scripture, um, that God is good, and, and as his people, this goodness flows from him to us, and it, it permeates everything that we are a part of as a church. And we're living in this season um, where, where the world just needs a, a, a culture of goodness and, and good people. And I want to simply suggest today that a culture of goodness requires empathy. A culture of goodness requires empathy. The church is designed by God to be a goodness culture filled with empathy and compassion. And we see that in this story with Jesus as he looks at this woman and his heart goes out to her. Empathy is something that is extremely important to relationships, to understanding, to connection. Empathy could be uh, defined as the ability to understand or share feelings with one another. The ability to understand and share feelings with one another. And so uh, we, you know, as, as my wife and I are raising, uh, we have four children at home, we, we see this in, in how they interact. Like we, we want them to know how, how to, to have empathy, to, to identify that uh, with each other. Um, because that's, that's what allows relationships to flourish is when people are empathetic. And if you would look at like people who don't have empathy, who have no ability to connect or to feel what someone else is feeling, they, they oftentimes have a hard time connecting with people. And, and to the extreme of this, uh, what we find is that people who have zero empathy, zero ability to connect and to understand what other people are feeling, um, that they're psychopaths. Um, that, that, that's like the most extreme version of that. And um, this came to my attention, you know, I, I like to binge watch shows on, uh, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime and, and all that. Uh, there's a show out there called uh, Dexter. And uh, big fan of Dexter, not recommending it as a pastor, not, not recommending Dexter. But if you know the, the premise of this show, uh, Dexter is a psychopath. And uh, he was a, a child that experienced this incredible trauma as a, in growing up and, and his, watched his, his uh, mother be murdered and was adopted by this guy who's a detective and, and works in homicide. And as they're raising Dexter, um, it, it tells you the backstory. Like what, one of the things they realize is this child, for maybe the trauma or whatever happened, has no ability to be empathetic. And so one of the ways it comes out is Dexter kills animals without remorse. And as Dexter gets older, his dad starts to realize, oh my goodness, what do we have going on here? This child feels no remorse. This is, this is not good. And so the, the, the father, who's a detective, uh, kind of like guides Dexter um, to, to become almost like a vigilante. So like he uses his you know, psychopathy to go after bad guys. It's, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. But, but that idea of like, you, you can see this early in childhood. Of if you have, don't have the ability to feel remorse and you hurt someone else, or you hurt a child, it's like, oh, there's no empathy here. And, and I'm like kind of the opposite of that. Like, I might feel too much, especially when it comes to animals. Uh, we, for, for Christmas this year, 
uh, we went up to our attic to get all of our Christmas stuff down, and I realized there were signs of that we had Arcadia roof rats. Now, you might have Arcadia roof rats. A lot of people in Phoenix do. Um, one thing about Phoenix is if you have rats, if they're from Arcadia, it just sounds better. So we realized we had these Arcadia roof rats in my house and uh, put some rat traps up. And here's how like, much I, the empathy I have. So I heard the, the trap go off, and I realized that the rat's caught in it, but it hasn't died yet. And so I'm like, oh, man, I can't handle this. I can't do this. And so I call my brother-in-law, Danny, who's a hunter, and uh, basically, you know, lives off what he, you know, kills. I mean, just total outdoorsy guy. I call him, I'm like, Danny, you have to come over here and help with this. And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, there's a rat that's caught in a trap, and I can't, I can't finish it off. you got to be here. So, like, Danny comes over, and I'm, it's like we go up into the attic, and I'm like, I can't. Like my, it's like gut-wrenching for me. And he's like, dude, this is this gross rodent. Get over it. And, and I'm like, I, yeah, just do it, man. So he ends up, you know, taking the rat out. And, like, he's looking at me like, what is, you know, what's wrong with you? You're like Gandalf the Grey, friend of forest animals. And, you know, I, I have all this empathy. So I'm like, no, dude, I just have these, like, really strong empathy muscles that, you know, I just don't like killing things. And, uh, but, but empathy, like you feel remorse for the other. And, and, uh, and, and so like you, you could see that early in childhood just with how, how children interact with animals. But it's so important when it comes to our relationships with each other that when we feel what other people feel and when people are in pain, we, we experience that as well. It builds this connection. In their book, A Church Called Tobe, uh, Laura Berenger says this about empathy. Empathy is the ability to feel what someone else feels, to exit our own feelings and enter the experience of others. Empathy is the ability to see the world through others' pain. Empathy is the ability to see the world through others' pain. I heard one pastor say this about empathy. Empathy, however, is to walk a mile in another person's shoes. When someone is suffering, you suffer too. When someone is struggling with something, you struggle too. And when someone is facing danger and fearful, you're facing danger with them, experiencing their fear. Empathy is far more powerful because it's not pity. It is, in fact, trying to understand the world through the eyes of another you're walking in the shoes of another person. You're seeing the world through their eyes. Your heart goes out to them for what they are feeling. Brene Brown has some amazing work that has been done on this topic of empathy. And what, what Brene Brown says is that empathy fuels connection in relationships. It, it is the fuel for connection uh, Renee Brown says, empathy is a choice, a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. We're able to identify with the other person's experience, and it fuels connection. Empathy allows relationships to flourish, and a culture of goodness requires empathy. It fuels connection between me and you, and even though I'm different than you, I can understand what you're going through when I'm empathetic. It connects us. So a couple of things that empathy connects us to. Empathy connects us first and foremost with God. Empathy fuels connection with God. 
And, and as we saw in the story of Jesus, as his heart goes out, the, the very nature and character of God is, is he, he, he knows what we're going through. He can feel what we're going through. There's passage after passage which just enters into our story. This is the gospel message. Philippians 2 talks about this, that God doesn't consider equality with God. Jesus doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but makes himself nothing, comes down to our level, meets us on our plane, is incarnated as we celebrated with Christmas, and experiences life as a human. Hebrews 4 talks about that in verse 15. It says, For we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage. He says this about Hebrews 4. It says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great high priest with ready access to God, Let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept it. So much of our gospel story is that Jesus has entered into this world He's entered into this world. He's, he's, he's taking care of our brokenness. He's taking care of, uh, of, of sin on the cross. He's conquered sin and death. He loves us so much that his heart goes out to us knowing exactly what we experience in all of the different circumstances that we find ourselves in. I love Psalm 56, 8. In the NLT it says, You track all of my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. With everything that's going on in the world right now, with everything that you've experienced this last year with disappointment and pain and loss and grief and suffering and confusion, we have a God who knows exactly what we're going through, who empathizes with us, who, who draws us into relationship with him, where his heart goes out to us, his heart pursues us in the midst of whatever circumstance we're in, which means that we are not alone. We have this connection with God. Empathy fuels this relationship that we have with him. Second thing is that empathy fuels connection with our community, with our friends, with our church. If we want to be a culture of goodness uh, here as, as a church, empathy allows us to be connected. Even though we're in different seasons of life, even though we come from different backgrounds, empathy allows us to understand what the other person is going through, to see the world through their eyes. This was a crazy week for a lot of reasons. Well, here's how my week started. Monday night, late Monday night, I uh, went over to the Sherman home. And many of you know uh, John and, and Monica Christie. Uh, they're part of Desert City uh, for a long time. Uh, her, Monica's parents moved out here this year from Nebraska. We're getting ready to retire. They were going to do the, the, the winters here and the summers up in Minnesota. And uh, her mom fell unexpectedly ill this year. Um, and, and a number of uh, health things failed uh, fairly quickly. And in uh, Monday night, we were in the, the Sherman home uh, saying goodbye. You know, Monica, her, her mom uh, is named Carol. Her dad is Ray. 
and uh, had, this, had this experience where we were there in the Sherman home, and uh, just, just the craziness of, of knowing uh, what was coming and the loss of it all, and just being able to sit with them as a pastor, with trying to, to think of like words uh, to, to, bring, to bring comfort or peace or understanding. And it's like, I just I had no idea what to say. We just sat together, we read scripture, we prayed, they, they shared stories, and then we experienced just the, 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 the pain and the grief of the loss. Some of you have experienced that this year, just being together, understanding what other people are going through drives connection. Heard from a, another uh, man in our church whose father has COVID in, in Southern California. Heard last night that they have moved his father to the hospital. He's in ICU. And uh, again, trying to figure out you know, what, what can we do to bring comfort, to help, uh, to bring uh, words of wisdom. And, and just asked him what he needed. His response was simply, I, and, yeah, I don't need anything. I just, I'm, I'm sad. And I'm sad to know what so many other people have gone through this year, experiencing this, where I, I can't be with my father as he suffers and we FaceTimed, but I'm just sad to know that this is what, what people have experienced. This is a, a year of a, a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of suffering. Empathy allows us to, to meet each other on this level of pain, to know what the other person is going through. Not to give advice, not to try to even... Uh, to, to resolve anything, but just to be connected. Just being connected. Empathy allows it, things to get better just because we're not in this alone. Empathy lets us know that we're connected with God. Empathy connects us to each other in the midst of just all of the pain that's happening. And I think that the world needs an empathetic church with all of the suffering right now. Empathy fuels connection with community. In Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns, verse 35, and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. This is that story we know about the harvest. But what's fascinating is that Jesus is going through these towns and he's interacting with people who are suffering and sick and he's healing and he's bringing out uh, restoration for people. And we see these glimpses of, of the kingdom of heaven breaking through through the life of Jesus. And he looks out and he has compassion because he says that the people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that feels like the world that we live in. It just, there's this harassment and helplessness, and, and it just feels heavy, and we have heavy hearts. And, and Jesus says he's, he's here. But then he, he also turns to his disciples, to his followers, to this budding church, and he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. As, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we're joining in this work of the suffering world where we have compassion that leads us to action and connection with others. There's this calling for God's people that, that stems from this empathy of understanding what others are going through. And the world needs an empathetic church right now. Last thing is that empathy fuels connection 
with those of us who are different. Empathy fuels connection with those who are different. And I think this is so important for the church to understand when it comes to, to our message of, the, of this gospel and, and connecting with people who are different than us, who believe differently than us. Empathy allows us to, to have this connection with those people who are different. One of the, the wild things that happened this week, the January 6th event, and, and I know everyone has, has seen this, and I want to tell you about my experience with it. I was watching the news and that evening with my, my children, specifically my, my seven-year-old son, Ezra, and, and just seeing these events and these images and watching how he's responding to it. And, and I, I remembered as a child, I, I've always been a huge fan of history and reading in my history books. Um, I, I remember when I came across the, the War of 1812 and, and, and realizing, like, this was after the Revolutionary War. The British came back and we, we kept fighting them. And and uh, this war broke out over a number of, of different reasons. Uh, but in 1814, the Capitol building was, was just burned by the British. And I remember seeing this painting in my history book. And I had this like gut-wrenching feeling inside of me, even as a child, that I remember to this day. Because America always wins, right? America, we just feel like we're invincible. And like I, I remember seeing that. And just something inside of me hurt knowing that they did this to us. And as we were watching on Sunday, I, I never, or on, on the 6th, I never in my life imagined I would see the U.S. Capitol in that state again where it was, uh, it, it was overrun. And, and, and watching my son Ezra and interacting with what was happening and him seeing these images. And the thought is, how have we got to this point? We're living in this anxious moment as a country. A moment of great and significant anxiety. And, and, and to, to be a father of young children and, and to see images that come out here. We, we, this this is, had been bubbling up for a long time. And, and it's heartbreaking. And here's one thing that I know. That with all of the reasons of, of why this happened this week. There's a lot of reasons. But one reason for sure is this. In our political theater, there is no ability for empathy with our leaders. Empathy just seems to be gone. We, we have long moved past where we're, we're trying to empathize with each other and understand each other and listen. And so what happens often is there's, there's, there's outrage and there's, there's, re, there's revenge and there's tit for tat and it keeps going back and forth and it feels like it's shaking back and forth more and more and we're long past the moment where we can just sit down and listen and, and experience what the other person is experiencing and, and empathize with what their experience is. That has been completely just removed from the conversation. And that's how the world operates. But not so with the church. The church is a community of people who empathize, even with those who are different. We have this God who, who loved us in the midst of all of the things that we've done that were wrong, that were offensive, that were appalling to him, and he connects with us. The church has this calling to empathize with others. Again, in the church called Tov, there's this quote that churches that follow Jesus don't simply take up a cause of one specific group, but they develop a culture in which they hear the cries of all the distressed and all the wounded and respond with compassion. Cultures of goodness in churches will develop an empathy radar with an intrinsic or an instinctive bias 
toward acts of grace and peace and mercy and goodness for everyone. They, they have an instinctive bias of acts of grace and peace and mercy and goodness for everyone. We don't see people that are different than us and think we need to eliminate them. We are gospel people with a gospel message. And that connection with people who are different than us is fueled with empathy to be able to sit, to listen, to have our hearts go out, to have a bias towards grace and peace and mercy and goodness. I want to close with these difficult words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. If a culture of goodness requires empathy, the church is set apart in this world. It's a sacred community. It's supposed to be holy and different. We don't operate with the way that the world operates. We're a part of an eternal kingdom. Jesus says this in Luke 6. And I'll close with these words. It says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other uh, turn to the, them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do not do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as our Father is merciful. May we be a people whose hearts go out to others. To have empathy that, that connects us with God, it connects us to each other in this church, and it connects us to those who are different from us. In this season of pain and suffering and uncertainty and anxiety, the world needs an empathetic church. And of all the things the church feels like it needs to be right now, it needs to be empathetic to draw people into this relationship with God. May we be an empathetic people. May we, we be a culture of goodness. As we close today, a couple thoughts. One, maybe you're in a place where your, your heart is just closed off to God. And, and, and it's in anger or, or a disin, uh, uh, you're just disenfranchised with, with the whole church thing and God thing. And this, world, this year hasn't gone how you've wanted it to. You've experienced great disappointment and loss and confusion. Maybe you're mad at God. And maybe today you just need to open your heart back up. God's heart goes out to you. God's heart goes out to me. He wants this connection. And maybe your heart has been closed off to others with all of the anger and angst and, and fury and things that are happening right now. And you need to just open up your heart to say, Lord, work through me that I may be an instrument of, of peace and compassion and reconciliation. Today we open up our hearts to say, Lord, allow us to be empathetic to others.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word to us. Lord, some of your words are much more difficult than others. But we know that you're working in this world with all of the pain and suffering, with all of the sin and evil, with all of the confusion, Lord. You are a God of order that is at work to bring about your kingdom. We want to be kingdom people, too. Lord, we ask that you would work through us as a church, that in the midst of everything going on, we'd have a culture of goodness. We'd be empathetic and compassionate. We'd be people of hope, people of eternity. Lord, we ask that you would soften our hearts, that you would give us wisdom, and that you would do your work in us and through us. In your name we pray, amen.